This program is brought to you by SoundsTrue.com. For those seeking genuine transformation, SoundsTrue.com is your trusted partner on the spiritual journey, offering diverse, in-depth, and life-changing wisdom. Many voices, one journey. SoundsTrue.com. You're listening to Insights at the Edge. Today I speak with Ainsley McLeod. Ainsley is a psychic who for more than a decade has collaborated with spirit guides to gain insight into significant past life experiences. He's the author of two Sounds True books, The Instruction and most recently, The Transformation, Healing Your Past Lives to Realize Your Soul's Potential. The Transformation is an exploration into how our past lives directly impact our soul's evolution. In addition to his books, Ainsley can be heard in a three-part online course on healing your past life fears, which begins on May 3rd at 8 p.m. Eastern Time at SoundsTrue.com. I spoke to Ainsley about how we can recognize, work with, and resolve past life fears, as well as how we can connect with our own spirit guides. Past life fears. I'm curious, Ainsley, if someone has a big irrational fear. Maybe it's a fear of getting into an elevator or a plane or a fear of public speaking. How would they know if it's a past life fear, a fear from something that happened early in their biography, or just a plain old fear? Well, the kind of fears you're talking about there, well, it depends on the, the manifestation of it. If you get a kind of uh, panic, you know, that really kind of strong phobic reaction, it's pretty much guaranteed to come from a past life. The, the most common one that I come across of those phobic kind of fears is what they call a phobia of judgment. And that's the one that results in a fear of public speaking, which mm-hmm. is, of course, the biggest fear, apparently, in America. And uh, because it's a past life fear, you get that huge overreaction. What's happening is that the the soul is being taken back to a time when you were judged, and that judgment led to your death. So say you stand up in front of an audience, and all of a sudden you're just hit. It can happen just instantaneously that you get this huge panic. And you can have triggers in this life. I mean... For a lot of people with that fear, it can be getting up, standing up in class. Um, can be very, very uncomfortable. They get into uh, teenage years or into the 20s, and they start to develop a really, really big deal w- with that one. And uh, the, the soul is going back to this time when it was judged and basically reacting with that uh, fight-or-flight reaction. It's, uh, it's wanting to get out of there because it's saying, well, the last time we were we were judged, we were executed, or, um, you know, something really terrible happened. In fact, those really phobic reactions tend to be all related to death in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Most of the fears that I talk about are, they're more to do with having been taken off your soul's life plan, you know, having, you know, had your purpose derailed in a previous lifetime, and then there's a, a fear then that comes up as a result of that. 
Now, Ainsley, I mean, I know that you're a psychic, that you work with information that you receive from your spirit guides, and that there's this whole model about past life fears resulting from an interrupted soul's life plan, the way you're just describing. But someone's listening, and they think, you know, I have a fear of this, I have a fear of that, and maybe it's even a totally irrational fear but I'm not sure it's from a past life. I mean, what gives you this confidence that these irrational, huge fears are related to past life interruptions of our of our soul's plan? It's um, largely through working with the, the spirit guides that I have that I learned all this stuff. And uh, it, it happened sort of gradually to begin with. I was just noticing that I would be doing a session with somebody in this whole topic of a past life issue would come up and then what I'd find is that I'd explore a past life on somebody's behalf and then be able to predict from what happened in the past that they would have issues in this life you know people generally don't come to me and say well you know I've got this huge fear of such and such and where does it come from I'll be looking at a past life and then telling them you know this and that happened and then I look for what they call resonances in this life. These are kind of reminders or soul-level memories of what happened in the previous uh, lifetime. And uh, there's so many different ways that that works. Um, I was just uh, looking over some notes this morning, and uh, I found a couple of really interesting ones where I told uh, a client, for example, that she had frozen to death in a previous lifetime. I said she was male in that lifetime. She was a 24-year-old trapper in, uh, in Canada, in a, a French, French-speaking area of Canada. And she told me, actually told, told me in the next session we had, that um, uh, there was an incident that she had when she was a child, when she was very tiny, and her mother heard noises coming out of her room and went in. And there was her little girl, and her, her lips had turned blue. She was freezing cold, even though the room was a normal temperature, and she was speaking French. Now, those sort of things are kind of um, the kind of thing that I come across a lot, where there's an obvious kind of uh, relationship between the past experience and the present. I mean, just over and over again. And so, like I say, I was able to kind of predict things. For example, if I see that somebody has been hanged in a previous lifetime, I can predict that they're going to have issues around the throat area, that they usually will not feel comfortable with wearing a turtleneck or a necklace, and they probably have issues uh, with the throat, especially if there's uh, stress going on. So if someone comes to you for a reading, and how is it that you see a past life, meaning at some point you just, like a, a visual story unfolds in front of you, and you go, oh, that's the past life, or your spirit guides tell you in words, this is the person's important past life that they need to be aware of? In the old days, when I first started, it would just kind of be, you know, out of the blue, it would just be, oh, here's a past life that the spirit guides want to talk about. Now what I do is I devote pretty much the whole of the second session with someone to looking at past life issues, because that's really where you find the big blocks. And so uh, we'll actually sit down with a view to exploring a past life. Generally what I do is I, I go into past life and pick up information. 
some of it's visual. Um, most of it is actually, it's, it's, for me, it's like reading thoughts when I work with my spirit guides. It's very subtle. So if you work with me, as you, as you know, you have to, I have to break off a lot and just pay attention, just kind of listen to what I'm getting and then pass on the information. So it's a little kind of stop-start. And basically, I'll just pass on in, you know, pretty much as I'm given it, the full sentences that I'm given, I'll just pass that on to the client. But in amongst that, I will get visuals to help me understand, or sometimes even emotions, just to get a sense of what's happening. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to emotions, in fact, one of the things that happens a lot when I'm working with someone is that even before I go into talking about the past life, my client will start to perhaps tear up or get start to feel emotions related to that life, maybe sadness or anxiety, before I even talk, because time's fluid on the other side, as you know, and your soul can be experiencing uh, emotions as you start kind of stirring up this past life. Your soul starts to feel a sense of what, what happened. It's like it's all being stirred up, and that filters through into the... Um, you know, into the person's consciousness, but it can happen, you know, five or ten minutes before I even start talking. And then as I'm working through something, it's quite amazing uh, just to be, you know, talking about a past life and being able to say, well, I bet you have a problem with such and such, or I bet you don't do this, um, or you see physical things um, coming up. I was talking to somebody a few months ago who had some traumatic past life, I can't remember the details now, but as part of that, there was uh, the loss of an eye. And as I told her she'd lost her eye, she kind of let out a little yelp. And when I was finished, I went back and said, okay, what, um, what, you know, what triggered that reaction? And she said, well, just about 10 seconds before I told her about losing the eye, she felt a stabbing pain behind her, her eye. And I was able to say, well, I bet it was the right eye. And she mentioned, you know, sure enough. And this was a, a way that her soul was, was remembering what had happened in that previous lifetime. And I think these, these experiences help to validate that what you're getting is, um, is, is real, you know, really did happen to you. Now, Ainsley, your, your new book is called The Transformation, and you make a link between the importance of healing past life issues and wounds and fears and this time that we're in right now as right. a collective time of transformation. Can you help our listeners understand that link? Yep. Well, what's happening is that we're undergoing this transformation, which is a, a shift, as my spirit guides would put it, from a stage three consciousness, which is a kind of you know, awareness that we have uh, or have had for the last 55,000 years or so, and we're actually going through this uh, very big shift again, like we, we did all those thousands of years before. And the, this shift will take generations. It'll be, I mean, it's picking up speed, and it's a, you know, a relatively fast. But there is a way that you as an individual can speed up the process uh, of, of really altering your consciousness and, you know, and, and going into the stage four consciousness. And the way to do it, the way to really speed it up, is to uh, battle your, or overcome your past life fears, which act as the, uh, the blocks. And so this was the, 
the, the process that I was made aware of, that if you can understand the past life, you understand what, what happened, and in most cases you can understand which past life issue you have, um, there are 10 fears, and you can, you can figure that out actually from the resonances. And then once you figure that out, you look for what are called karmic motivations, and these motivations are emotions and feelings that your soul imbues you with to actually push you to make the changes that you need to take you to this third step, which is really to embrace your, your soul's core values or higher goals. So it's a kind of three-step uh, process. Mm-hmm. Now, now let's uh, fill in some of the gaps here that there may be. <laughs> You said we're moving from a stage three consciousness to a stage four. Can you just briefly describe stage one, two, and then three, and then the transformation we're going through into stage four? Yeah, yeah. Well, stage stage one would be consciousness that you might find in a snake or a mouse or some creature that's working mostly uh, by instinct. Stage two would be larger mammals, cats, dogs, horses, and so on. Stage three, as I say, we went from stage two to stage three about 55,000 years ago, and it was really at that point that our species was able to um, kind of really embark on the path that we've taken. We were able to think more rationally, develop our creativity, and so on. And we've been like this for, for all these years, but we're going through this change now, and it's really at a point where the planet needs to be changed. I mean, we, we as humans can't really continue the way we are. We became, over the last maybe 10 or 15,000 years, we became caught up in what they call the illusion. And that's really the, the barrier between the, the physical plane and the more spiritual plane. Up until that point, we were much more connected through the tribe. Uh, everyone had a purpose. There was more meaning to life. And then as we started to go from the hunter-gatherer kind of lifestyle to, to building cities and so on, artificial hierarchies came up, and you know, we end up with a world that we're in right now, which is very unequal, it's, um, and it's, it's violent and so on. It's not working for uh, the majority of people. So in some ways, it's an element of a rescue mission, like this souls are getting together and saying, look, we need to do something about this, and this is time to really move forward. It's time for another great leap, if you like. And so it's already happening. I mean, you can, you can see that, you know, I was thinking earlier about how a company like, like yours, you know, wouldn't thrive in many parts of the world and probably wouldn't have existed 50 or 100 years ago. But as our consciousness rises through the collective consciousness, then uh, people are opening up to a more spiritual and um, fairer way of, of living. So this is actually going to increase. You know, what it means is you're going to see a lot more Gandhis and Martin Luther Kings in the world, you know, in, in the, over the next few generations as this uh, transformation takes place. And people connect with their souls more strongly. What's interesting to me, Ainsley, is, you know, here it sounds true, we published a book called The Mystery of 2012, and there are many authors and teachers who are associated with Sounds True 
who, in different ways, they're not using the language of moving into stage four consciousness, but th they are talking about a kind of shift yeah. that we're going through right now as a collective. But I've never heard anyone else identify the healing of past life fears as a critical part of this shift. Mm -hmm. That seems to be a unique contribution that you're making. And so I once think so. Yeah, and so once again, I'm curious what you think the relationship is between healing these past life fears that we have and this shift in consciousness? Well, it's essentially, it's by healing the past life fears, you have no more blocks to achieving certain goals. So the, the system that I've got here, the system of the transformation, if you like, um, allows us to identify 10 past life fears. In fact, every fear falls into one of the 10 categories. Can you tell us what at least some of those categories are, the big ones? Yeah, sure, sure, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> let's take one like uh, inferiority. That's one I come across a lot. Past life fear of inferiority comes from having had a life where you had no say over your destiny, where you know somebody else ran your life for you. You were really just taken clear off your, um, off your life plan very, very early on. And that can have to do with uh, controlling parents, um, different circumstances like slavery, perhaps, if you were born into a slave family. It's, it's about your entire life really being, being not your own, uh, the arranged marriages, uh, that sort of thing. And so you have that in your past. And then in the present, there's um, an inability to fully exercise your self-determination, your ability to create your own life and one of the very common resonances that I come across with that and I've been through that in my own life is that in times of stress or in relationships there's a, there is this you can be it's a tendency to be taken back into the into the past into a life that you were in when you had no power no self self-determination and so what you find is often very strong people who will um, become dominated by a partner, for example, or they, they lose their fight. They, they find themselves kind of on the floor looking up, wondering, you know, how did I get here? And that can be over, you know, a long period of time sometimes. You know, people get ground down in a relationship when they have this fear. And once you actually are able to overcome that fear, which is through the the karmic motivation of self-determination, then this is where you see people just turning things around. And, you know, I've, I've seen people, you know, clients of mine have just done amazing things because they've suddenly found that ability to run their own lives. You know, they'll, they'll turn around and get rid of the, the abusive partner or they'll, you know, change the, the job they've been stuck in for years. It's like uh, gaining all this new power, and as they do it, they get taken to this place of respect, which is one of the soul's ten goals that all match up to the to the fears. So, and once you once you gain that sense of self-respect, there's no going back. You know, you're you're there. You've taken that in in that area. You've taken that sort of leap, and that's the sort of shift that I'm talking about with each fear. I mean, every every single fear has a motivation that will help you to overcome it. And by doing that, you've no longer got the fear, and you're open to connecting with your soul, and it's 
transformational goal. So it sounds like part of what you're saying is that in this shift to what you're calling fourth stage consciousness, that when we heal our past life fears, then we can live our life fearlessly? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. That's essentially it. It's the fears that act as blocks to fulfillment. It's the fears that hold us back in, in different ways. Let me give you the example of somebody with a fear of failure, which is a very common one. And a fear of failure comes from having had usually multiple lifetimes somewhere relatively recently, you know, a few lifetimes before this one, where you haven't completed your life plan, you've uh, died young, or you somehow didn't experience what it was in a major way that you set out to do here. And so what happens is that your soul has this fear that in this lifetime you may not live long enough to get everything done. It's, it's totally irrational, and you would expect your soul to know the difference, uh, but, but it doesn't. These are soul-level fears. And your soul is actually looking backwards, not into the future. So people with this fear are not going to die young. They just, it's just the soul has that anxiety that that might happen. You could live to be 120, but your soul is worried that you're going to die at age 5 or 20 or whatever, as you did in the past. So it gives a sense of anxiety about getting things done that often manifests as the headless chicken syndrome, you know, running around, knowing there's something you want to be doing, but never quite getting there. Or inertia, where you just get you get stuck or you're in a holding pattern. And if you have failure, a lot of people become perfectionists. There can be an association with making mistakes in a previous lifetime. And so people become very um, reluctant to, to take chances or make mistakes in this life. They find it very difficult to make decisions. And again, once you, uh, once you overcome that fear, then it just opens everything up. You find that people who've overcome the fear of failure, just they, they have the, the feeling that the world is their oyster. They can achieve anything they want, and there's going to be plenty of time to do it. They don't have that same anxiety. And what's interesting about the fear of failure is that the way of overcoming it is through curiosity. What your, what your soul throws up as a motivation to help there is the desire to keep learning. Because, in fact, what happens when you have a short lifetime is that you miss out on a lot of education. Not the academic kind of education, but just life experience. So curiosity pushes you to keep learning and people with a fear of failure i come across this over and over again people with this fear they prefer npr if they listen to the radio they prefer discovery channel if they watch tv and they they prefer non-fiction books to fiction there's a thirst for uh, fact-based information and that's taking the soul taking them to a place of knowledge which is the is the soul's goal associated with that fear Mm-hmm. Now, Ainsley, you said there were ten main fears, and yeah. I, I'm curious, or that all of our fears fit into one of these ten categories. Do, mm-hmm. uh, is each person primarily, do you think, trying to heal one of these, or could I be trying to heal all all ten of these different categories? When you get to be uh, an older soul, 
and the people who are motivated to do this kind of work are well, our older souls, then you've probably got most of these fears operating in some way or another. But it's a question of what's been triggered in this life and, what's, and how strong the fear was originally. Because as we go through our lives, we deal with fears, we, we're working on things we may not know what's happening, but, but these fears are in a constant state of flux. So what I'll find is that I'll be working with somebody who's got maybe five fears that are a one out of ten, or two out of ten, and then several that are maybe a seven or a nine out of ten. So I try to get a, a numeric value as often as possible to get a sense of which ones are, are strongest. But usually once I go into the, into the past life, it'll become very, very clear what the issue is. If, uh, if there's a fear of death, it'll come up immediately. It's usually to, to do with violent death. And so if somebody's killed in battle, well, we can look at how that affects them. Now, let's say someone's listening, Ainsley, and they think, you know, I'd like to become more fearless in my life. And I, I recognize that I have these irrational, strong fears. But I just don't know if the whole model of past lives, I don't know if I buy it. What, what would you say? That's a good question. The people that come to me ha seem to have no problem accepting the existence of past lives. Again, it's an old soul thing, but I really can't remember ever having a client who kind of looked at me and went, are you sure I've had past lives? It seems to be just a given. So like I say, probably an old soul consciousness. So it's, it's not something I've come across. I, I know there's a lot of people who wouldn't accept the the whole concept but um, to me it makes perfect sense I mean I've been working with this for, for years and it really I think it helps to explain so much again as I say with just coming across people with so many um, issues that can be predicted just from what happened in a, in a lifetime you can just see time and time again how a past life would, would impact you it was just a small one that I just a couple of lines that I put in the book, which I loved. It was about uh, a little girl. Uh, the, the mother is a client of mine, and her little girl's been a handful. And when she was about five years old, she was continually running away from home, causing a lot of grief for her mom. And there was one time when they were having a stand-up argument, and uh, the little girl looked straight in mom's eye and said, you can't tell me what to, be, what to do. I used to be your mom. And so you hear this from, from children a lot. And this is something I come across when I'm talking to parents, but the, they'll say, oh yeah, my child remembers being in uh, Yugoslavia in a, in a time of war, or they remember such and such you know, experiences that they've, they've had that they really are very unlikely to make up. You know, if it's a time of war or something like that, it's not a time of, it's not a glamorous experience. It's always kind of... Uh, you know, miserable kids remembering something that was a very unhappy experience, or having panics at night that come from having been murdered in a previous lifetime. It's just uh, come across so much stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Now, in this model of your work, you've mentioned this idea of the life plan. And can you say a little bit more about that? Is, is it the idea that every life has a plan and that Yet it's interrupted. Is the interruption not yeah. part of the life plan? 
No, the interruption is absolutely not part of the, the life plan, and that's really the, the key to all this, because of the ten fears, nine are about having the life plan interrupted in some way, where you don't get to experience what it was that you set out to do. And the, the tenth one is the fear of death, which, of course, um, is the ultimate derailment of your life plan. If, you, if you're killed, well, it's kind of game over. So what your, what your soul does with each lifetime, it creates this life plan from the astral plane before it comes onto the physical plane. And the, the life plan includes, it actually includes things like a personality, uh, missions that your, your soul wants to experience, people your soul wants to hang out with, um, karma that it wants to deal with from previous lifetimes. And then what happens with each of these fears, they are fears like fear of loss, well, this happens when you know life is going on along okay. You're you may be on your plan. You know most people are kind of on and off a little bit as they they go. Um, but loss can come along and just devastate somebody. Let's say your your life is all about raising your family, and your family all gets killed in a in an air raid in World War Two. Well, you're going to get a huge fear of loss as a result of that, and it will really have taken you off your life plan. Everything changes from that point on. So each fear is related to a, an experience that your soul has where it doesn't get to complete what it's set out to do. Powerlessness, for example. Uh, people with a fear of powerlessness have a, usually a need to control their environment or other people. They can be quite controlling. In fact, at the extreme end of the scale, they can become control freaks. But they're reacting to a life in which something has happened that's taken them suddenly off their life plan. Powerlessness is to do with having everything's going okay one day and then, or even one minute, and the next thing you're thrown into a jail cell. And from that moment on, you have no say over your destiny. And so uh, you find that in this life, that's where powerlessness would be affecting somebody. They, they don't want someone else telling them what to do, for example. It's a kind of overreaction to what happened in that previous lifetime. Mm -hmm. And is the healing simply becoming aware of the past life and the interruption that occurred? Does that generate the healing, just the awareness? Well, I've had a lot of people who've been told about a past life, and that's been enough for healing to take place. I mean, sometimes very, very radical stuff. I mean, I talk in the book about... Um, someone who got over a three-decade-long um, phobia, I mean, a very disruptive phobia, just really through knowing what, what had happened in that previous lifetime. What, what, was uh, the phobia? what was the phobia? Well, this is a story about uh, a woman who I, I was looking at her past life, and uh, she was a young immigrant from London. She was male in that lifetime, uh, several hundred years ago, in the early early pioneer days in uh, Virginia, I think it was, she, or the, the guy, married and had a kid and a bit of land. And I almost didn't put this story into the book because I thought it sounded like an episode of Gunsmoke or it just sounded a little sort of hokey. But I'm glad I did because I then got a chance to talk to my client about how this had affected her life. So to cut a long story short someone who wanted to get his hands on their property poisoned the family's well, killing the wife and the child. 
And when the young man tried to do something about it, he was actually accused of killing his own family. I mean, it's very, very unfair. He, w- he ended up, uh, he was locked up, but they left the cell open, um, so a lynch mob kind of dealt with the problem, and that, that was it. And I asked this client afterwards, I said, um, do you have any fear or any issues surrounding being poisoned? And she's completely silent. There's no noise on the other end of the line at all. And I tried again. I could hear her breathing. And I'm saying, does that mean anything to you? Can you, you know, because I'm looking for these connections all the time with past lives. And then finally she, she whispers, I'm paranoid about being poisoned. And I sort of made a little joke, you know, like, who isn't, you know, who, you know, but she said, no, you don't, you don't understand. And it turned out that her entire life had been ruled by her fear of being poisoned. She had um, spent decades uh, throwing out food. She said if, if food came into the house and, she, and it was opened and she wasn't the one to check the seal, then it had to go out. And it got worse and worse, especially when the kids came along in the early 80s. Um, if the little cans of baby food didn't pop with just the right sound, then uh, out they went. She was um, wasting so much food, she was saying it was causing a lot of tension in the relationship. Her husband was going crazy. She was uh, insisting on drinking bottled water, and they were on a well, which she was having tested every couple of weeks, and uh, wouldn't even shower if it was uh, too long between between the tests. Then there was a Tylenol scare in 19, I think it was 1981. Remember when poisoned Tylenol was put on the shelves? Yeah. Which, which helped her to feel validated, you know, vindicated. You know, she, she was able to say, well, you know, see, it, it really does happen. But the next thing, you know, she's really um, going to pieces about all this. Um, she's having to take tranquilizers. Um, she's an absolute mess. And what happened with her was that she, like a lot of my clients, they talk about just knowing what happened in the past life. They say it's like a burden being lifted. It's like a huge weight being lifted. And that happened just immediately. A lot of people talk about that just within minutes or even as we're talking. They feel like something's happened. And then in her case, what happened was a month later, she went to the fridge, took out a carton of milk, poured herself a glass and drank it, and then then realized that she hadn't checked the seal. And she said for her that was the biggest day of her life. It was absolutely huge. And uh, she's you know, gone from strength to strength. She's, you know, off the medication, everything is you know, is back to normal. But this is after after decades. Mm-hmm. Now, Ainsley, it's one thing to have a session with a gifted intuitive or psychic who can read your past lives and report them. And it's another thing to be able to figure that out for oneself. Right. And then to have the healing that comes from that and the potential fearlessness like you're pointing to. Can people yeah. really figure this out for themselves? Yes. And that's that's really I think the beauty of the system. What it allows you to do is to look at any of those past life fears and identify them by the by the resonances that I I've been talking about. And once you've done that then you can work with your spirit guides to overcome the fear. You can do it yourself. In fact, although it, it's dramatic and it's fast when you actually work on the past life, um, you know, knowing what happened, you can still 
make major shifts and overcome huge blocks just by working on the the resonances. You don't have to know the the actual facts of the the life. The, so re- I, I, the, 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 the resonance by resonances, you mean what I'm experiencing in this life that yes, seems related. Those, those reminders, which can be emotional or or physical, there's all all different ways that that will will come through. But usually, as a um, you know, people will have uh, unexplained uh, ailments very commonly. I come across this a lot. I talk a lot about that in the book as well. You know, people with uh, unexplained itching or um, gastric problems or whatever, which all, by the way, all that shifts as soon as they, they work through the, the past lives. But you can look at the, look at those resonances, figure out the kind of fear, or fears, because, you know, fear is plural, because you know, so far in my career I've not met anyone who's just got one fear. Most people have uh, a good lot of them. And uh, then you can work on there are different exercises that you can use, and, and you can work with your spirit guides to to overcome the effect. Now we're going to have to talk so a little bit. We're, we're going to have to talk a little bit more about that. I'm going to work with my spirit guides. Yeah. Okay. You're going to have to help me understand that. <laughs> okay. Well, spirit guides are our um, support on the other side. We, we all have them, and these are souls on other planes who help us uh, in our lives. Now, a lot of people are not aware that they have spirit guides, and uh, it's actually a guarantee that I give in my work that we all have them. It's just a question of, of calling them in and working with them. They have a kind of hands-free approach, so you have to really uh, you know, get them involved. But once you do that, you can undergo amazing healing. You know, you can, you can tell them, you know, you've identified this fear, you know what's, uh, what must have happened in a previous lifetime. Um, because of the, the resonances or the symptoms that you have, and then you can tell them that you want to work on this, the karmic motivation that's related to that fear, and that will take you to, to where you need to go. And they, they work really as it's, it's like the, the cavalry coming to the rescue. Now, if I don't know who my spirit guides are or if I've never made contact with them, you make it sound pretty uh, lickety-split, one-two-three kind of thing. Is it like that? that I'm going to contact well, my spirit guides and the cavalry is going to come, you know, rushing yeah. in? I mean, it is. It takes, um, it take, it takes a little bit of uh, practice, but as, as I'm fond of saying, if I can do it, anybody can. And, uh, you know, I, I learned to communicate with spirit guides about, well, starting about 12 years ago. And it was really just a question of sitting down and talking. And I've helped a few people. Actually, I've had a couple of, clients just in the last week who've uh, just been blown away by doing that very thing, just sitting down and giving it a chance and then feeling the, the presence of somebody there and and feeling just a dialogue beginning. So it's something that you can you can build, but I mean, a lot of people never even give it a try or don't even know that you can, you can do that sort of thing. Once you do, it's like having this amazing support system on the other side. Ainsley, can you give me an example from your own life of the healing of a past life fear? How you became aware of it, what the fear was, and then what the change has been for you? Yeah. Well, my biggest one was um, a phobia of uh, judgment. And when I was younger, I had uh, the, the two 
classic symptoms. One, one was a, a big concern about what people were saying or thinking about me. And uh, the other one is the fear of public speaking. So I didn't talk in public for three decades. I wouldn't even have done an interview like this. I mean, I was totally phobic about this. Well, I went into a past life in which I was executed for my political views. And then the other part of it that I did was I worked with my spirit guides to use a technique which I put in the book. It's actually in the appendix at the back. It's a technique called identify and annihilate. And of course, once you identify the fear, that's half the battle. And then you just basically take the fear and you show it no mercy. You, it, so this technique will just talk you through what you need to do. Um, it's like a like a wrestler railing at an opponent, and basically, you you know, the, it's based on the principle that when we have a fear, the tendency is to suppress it, cover it up. And here, what you're doing is you're actually pulling out the fear and continually giving it no place to hide. And then eventually, it's forced to to just dissipate, to disappear. And this is something that um, I keep hearing from clients how effective this has been. You know, they just uh, are able to. You know, I've shown them how to do it once, and after that, they've been able to identify other issues and just just use it for a few weeks. And uh, huge changes happen that way. So that's um, it. Really helped me hugely because it was it was certainly going to impact my career as, uh, as an author if I wasn't able to go into bookstores and talk about my work and, and so on. But that was um, it. It had been hugely debilitating. I mean, I. Um, couldn't give speeches, couldn't give talks, would even have terrible anxiety if I was in a room where somebody else was giving a talk. It was kind of like an empathic reaction. And uh, and that's all changed. And uh, so I'm fond of saying, these days you can't shut me up. Mm-hmm. It's no, really, no. it's been absolutely transformative. Now, just to understand this technique, I get that you identified that in a previous life for speaking out politically, you were punished. Yeah. You were killed? Yeah. But then, what did you do once you realized that? Once I knew what what had happened, there were two things. Uh, one was that my spirit guides had me write about the life and make as many connections between past and present as I possibly could. Um, you know, the kind of, ah, that's why I have this issue, or that's why I have that. And so I was able to go in and sort of find different elements of this. Then my spirit guides had me do, um, I'd, I'd done one kind of regression with them, and then I did a slightly different version, um, basically to, to sort of go back into that life with a different perspective on it, to, just to, to see it as a, a detached observer, instead of, you know, as a person who's right in the middle of the, of the drama. And in fact, that's one of the things that when it came to writing about this, and this is what my, my guides advise my clients, is that when you're writing about a traumatic or difficult past life, you want to push the fears into the past as much as possible. So when you come to writing about it, do it in the third person, not as it happened to me, but it's happened to this person. Mm-hmm. And it ha- helps to push it away from you. It's helpful. Mm-hmm. And it, it does bring up uh, my final question for you which is you you mentioned early in our conversation about how time is fluid. And yet here we are, we're talking about our past lives as if they've happened in a sequential way. 
And yet, you know, I've, I've heard people say, well, actually, all our lives are happening in parallel wrinkles of time. And, of course, all of this sort of, you know, bends my mind into liquid form. But I'm, I'm yeah, curious... Yeah, I can't get my head around that either. I'm curious, Ainsley, what you think about that. Are our past lives happening in the past? Are they happening in concurrent wrinkles of time? What's your view? My understanding, I've talked to my spirit guides about this, my understanding is that it's all happening um, in this linear fashion. It's, you know, a past life is in the past. And uh, that uh, it, th- this idea of it all happening once, I don't know. I, that's, that's not something something I'm getting. Um, maybe it's a different way of expressing a concept I don't understand, but uh, no, it's very de- definitely, they talk about the movement of the universe being in a forward direction. It's only going in one direction. Which is good news when they talk about the transformation, because the that, that shift in consciousness, it has to go in this forward motion, continually rising. It may ebb and flow, but um, it ultimately is getting to this place of higher consciousness because of the forward, or in part because of the forward movement of the universe. Well, I just have now a, uh, a more final question, Okay. which is, do you think that if somebody looks inside and notices that they are being run by a fear of some kind, that that always means that there's some past life resolution work that they could do that they could benefit from? So far, I've not come across anyone with fear that that I can't trace back to a past life. But what we have in in the present are triggers, and so we we have an experience where something something happens in in childhood, and you know it, it explains, for example, why you know that some people are are phobic about dogs. They've had some experience, perhaps in this life. But, you know, you can take two people. One's been bitten by a dog and nothing happens. You know, they, they, they don't go through their life in terrified dogs. And somebody else has the same experience and they, they won't go near the, the creatures. So what's happening is one, one has the past life issue and the other doesn't. And so this applies to, to all the fears that um, people are going to react in very different ways depending on how how big the fears are in the first place. Um, you, you know, you can take two siblings and they'll, they'll react very differently to, it, to the same kind of experiences growing up, uh, depending on what's, what's in their past. But I haven't found you know, any, any fear that you can't trace back in some way to the past life and then deal with. You can help to dissipate that fear in this life, whatever, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Very good. I've been speaking with Ainsley McLeod, He's the author of a new Sounds True book, The Transformation, Healing Your Past Lives to Realize Your Soul's Potential. And beginning on May 3rd at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Ainsley will be leading us through a three-part online course on healing your past life fears. And as part of the online course, am, am I correct, Ainsley, you'll actually be helping people learn how to identify which past life fears are operating in their life. Absolutely. Wonderful. Once again, uh, beginning on May 3rd at 8 Eastern Time at SoundsTrue.com, Healing Your Past Life Fears, a three-part online course with Ainsley McLeod, the author of the new book, The Transformation. Thank you, Ainsley, for being with us. 
Well, thank you, Tammy. For SoundsTrue.com, my name is Tammy Simon. SoundsTrue.com, many voices, one journey.